Welcome to another action-packed hour of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Wrestling the way it used to be and the way you like it. And welcome to another edition of Fire in the Mountains. Ricky Wittenberg joined along with Andy Waddell and Justin Edgel tonight. And we, we will be recapping episodes five and six of Smoky Mountain Wrestling TV, taped from the Knoxville Civic Auditorium in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee, just down the road. And it's uh, been a few weeks since we've been on the air with one of these shows. And Andy, how's it going tonight? I am feeling great. It is a beautiful day, night, thing, whatever. Let's get on with the show. Justin, how are you doing uh, after this long layoff? Doing great. I'm glad to be back. It felt like it was six months ago the last time we did this, but looking forward to the show and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's always. Absolutely. So uh, episode five of Smoky Mountain, we're still pre, um, pre-tournament and their first big show. So we're still trying to build storylines and gimmicks and you've got new guys coming in and everything's still kind of new to the fans. So these shows, as we watch these first few episodes, they all have a little bit different feel to them. It's kind of been good the way we've recapped these episodes, I think, because episodes one and two were taped together, uh, three and four were taped together, and five and six were taped together. So these two show, even though it's covering two TV episodes, it was actually one taping so it's actually working out better this way, at least so far, that that um, these shows are back-to-back because they were taped on the same night. I would beg to disagree, sir. In East Tennessee in 1992, there was nothing else better to do, so all the people just stayed there and waited till the next week to watch the wrestling. Well, with the way some of these people are dressed, I would not doubt the fact that that may have been possible. These people invented the people of Walmart website, and they didn't even know it. There ain't no These doubt are about my that. people. All right. So first episode, which is episode number five, we get right into it uh, this week with uh, the debut in Smoky Mountain of Nitro Danny Davis as he takes on Barry Horowitz. And guys, uh, just Justin, what did you think of the match? Uh, it, it was uh, it was okay, I guess at best. I thought the guy that was a better worker, Barry Horowitz. He lost the match. I mean, Danny Davis, I, I mean, I get, I, I've talked to you about it, that you said that the, this new gimmick he has is pretty bad and equally as bad was his, uh, pants that he wore. So yeah, yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into the pants later. This is a visual that, uh, you just have to see that we cannot eloquate correctly across the radio waves. The the thing about the Danny Davis is he was such a staple in the South, uh, all through the late seventies through the eighties in Continental Southeastern he was he bounced around some of the territories but he was always with uh, Ken Wayne as the nightmares and and nightmare Danny Davis just was a superior gimmick to Nitro Danny Davis. And in fairness, Danny Davis, this was toward the end of his wrestling career. So he was slowing down, but they're trying to feature him in this match. And honestly, Barry Horowitz was the one that was leading the match. And he was the better worker in the match, most definitely, in my opinion. Andy, what did you think about the first match that we watched this week? 
I just didn't want Danny to burst all over me. That would have been disgusting and awful, and I've been traumatized <laughs> for the rest of my life. Yes, uh, we've got. I mean, they keep using this line, and in, in 1992, is much more innocent. Bob Cottle, Danny is ready to burst all over you. Just the line, the line doesn't hold up today because that's just taken totally oh. different. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I want a T-shirt with that on it. Andy is about to burst all over you. Uh, well, you'd have to stay far, far away from school zones. That is true, sir. That is true. All right. So overall, this first match, it wasn't a bad match in my opinion. Uh, but Barry Horowitz was the better worker. The match ends in a small package reversal. For uh, Davis, uh, Horowitz had Davis in a small package. Davis reversed it into a small package. He rolled through it. He gets the win. I said when taking my notes, the most interesting thing in this match, there's a uh, another grandma this week, not quite as animated as, well, she may be as animated as the one in the uh, episodes three and four that we just recapped. But uh, she was definitely into Nitro Danny Davis. Uh, the note that I made is maybe she's wanting him to burst all over her and, and dust that old thing off. It's very possible. Uh, she, she was stomping up and down. She was looking for something. Like, an, like a, a, do, a doe stomping up and down, you know, looking for a buck. Well, I don't know. Danny, Danny Davis is, <laughs> definitely, fits the, uh, definitely fits the description. So... First match in and out of the books. Not much to write home about. Wasn't a bad match. Wasn't a great match. We will move on and not make any more jokes like that. So, Wanna bet? not at least for this period of few moments until the next match. So, we get to an interview with Jimmy Golden. Basically, he's just hopping the main event. This week's main event in episode five will be Jimmy Golden against rock and roll Robert Gibson. So wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, time out, time out. That was Jimmy Golden. That was Jimmy Golden. I thought it was Foghorn Leghorn. Boy, I said, boy, I said, boy, I'm gonna whip out boy, I'm gonna whip out ass. Jimmy Golden, definitely a southeastern staple. Not bad on the mic, honestly. He just uh, didn't have a lot to say right there, just basically hopping up the main event. Now uh they go back to the desk and they recap the show from last week with the Fantastics against Golden and Koloff, and then to a pre-tape of Bobby and Jackie Fulton saying they're going to get to Koloffs when they get back from Japan. That's the reason they're not on this week's episode is apparently they're on a tour of uh, the Orient this week. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, we can uh, one week uh, sabbatical from the Fultons. So we're yeah, I think I think Jackie was trying to escape the the states. <laughs> I think we've uh, reiterated you know something about that. Yeah, previous he, shows why he escaped well he was wanting to get hung hug all the young girls in uh there you um, go so bad choice of words back to the desk and recap of the last oh no uh, back to the desk and now we have bob armstrong he fined everybody involved in that brawl last week five hundred dollars now that's a sign of the times you know, people would be like yeah it's a big deal <laughs> but five hundred dollars i mean to me it's still a big deal but five hundred dollars back in the day it, it at least it seemed realistic. He wasn't finding people twenty five thousand dollars. So, and that's and that that's kind of what I I think I alluded to this before. I mean, he he really does try to make it 
so believable. And he continues to do that, which, you know, it's it's so different than what it is today. So yeah. even though he had that bad outfit and Coke bottle glasses on, like I said before. But. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. That was the Hubble telescope on lenses. I tell you what. Yeah. Bob, Ar- <laughs> Bob Armstrong, definitely. Uh, he cannot see. And so he's he's finding everybody five hundred dollars that was in that match. He also says that Brian Lee has free reign to tackle Dutch Mantell when Dutch is in the ring. Basically, he said if Dutch is at the announcer's table, he uh, can't do anything to Dutch. But if he's in the ring, anything goes, and that uh, that pays off in a little bit. Then we go straight to another interview with Ron Wright, and he's he reads a letter that a, a, a nice fan sent him. And uh, basically the letter says that he was one of the greatest and most beloved wrestlers ever and a good Christian man and a great scientific wrestler. And the fan gave him $5 to help out with the surgery. And he, he really appreciates it from the bottom of his heart. So uh, Ron Wright, they just keep playing this up, this feeble old man character. And Justin, it's, when you get when we get to it, it's going to pay off because Ron Wright's one of the best talents in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, even though we're only getting glimpses and bits and pieces of it so far. Yeah, it, it looks like at this point that I, you know, little I've seen, he just looks like a guy that they rolled out of a nursing home and said, "Here, just play this character, and we'll pay you a few bucks." Maybe, and then maybe that's part of his talent because he actually he pulls it off pretty well. Yeah. So can't wait to see what happens in the future for sure. That's no doubt. Andy, what do you make of Ron, right? I mean, you know a little bit more about him, but what do you, what do you make of him so far? Hell, I seen him $5 today. I don't even know if he's still alive or not. He, he passed away last, or uh, yeah, last year. So yeah, a little bit late, a little bit late. So match number <laughs> two, we go into uh, Tommy angel against Hollywood, Bob Holly. It's uh, I thought it was a pretty good back and forth match. Yeah, they're basically using Tommy Angel as jobber, but uh, he's believable. He's he's built pretty good. He's a big guy. He looks like he could he can win. It's not like they're trotting out just a jobber for the sake of being a jobber. He he could win on any given night. It was a good back and forth match, and then uh, Holly with the top rope drop kick. Holy crap! That was a <laughs> that was a finisher right there. I mean. He's he's hit a top rope move every week, but the drop kick I set up and paid like I rewound it and watched it again because I got that it got me out of my seat. I was like, "Holy crap!" He killed him with that drop kick. Uh, Justin, what do you think of this match? This was a good. It was a really good match, actually. Um, obviously, you know we know. I, well, I know that he he Holly was in the WWE in the in the future, so he obviously had some talent. Uh. It, it, it was a great match. Uh, Tommy Angel, I'll say this. Uh, you know, he, he had that uh, famous lightning bolt pointed toward his, toward his ass for some reason. He, he's one of those, uh, the members of that club. Uh, and also, this was, this, this match was also the, one of the first appearances of the uh, gyrator, I'll call her. Mrs. Miss Pat or Mr. Pat or whatever the hell you want to call her. We'll just call. We'll talk about more. It. We'll we'll call it Pat. Um, Andy, what did you think of the uh, Tommy Angel and Hollywood Holly match? Uh, 
I think he's searching for an identity here because one week he comes out looking like Bret Hart, and the next week he looks he comes out with uh, Ric Flair's robe on, and Bret Hart's tights underneath. So you know, I think they're trying to find his identity. But like you say, it's kind of hard. My formative years were seeing him as hardcore Holly, and to go back and watch this, it's just hilarious. Yeah, no, no kidding. And the thing about it really is sure. that that drop kick. I mean, I cannot emphasize it enough. That you could take that finisher right now today, and that would be devastating. The way he he nailed him with that drop kick. He hit him with that drop kick so damn hard that Tommy Angel's mullet is still orbiting inner Earth. It today, uh, he drop kicked him so hard he knocked the mullet off his head. I mean, it was a it was an impressive shot. Well, yeah, you're waiting on the referee to throw up the X sign, you know, to tell him, "Hey, he's really he's hurt out here. We, Come on, send out the paramedics." He killed him. <laughs> he flat killed him. So we move on, and it's an interview with uh, Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and he doesn't understand why the pile driver is banned. He'd like to talk to somebody about it. And one of my notes is a few of the ugliest people I've ever saw in the crowd, which Pat is definitely one of them. And there's two or three other prime candidates in, in this Knoxville. I don't know where they got this crowd. I mean, it's in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. 1992 Knoxville must have been a little rougher Enough than said I remember. right there. Maybe a little rougher than I remember. No, this ain't Mountain Whoa. City. I mean, this isn't Mountain City. We're not in Johnson County. It's... It's Knoxville, for God's sakes. And Andy Are knows you what kidding? I'm talking about. My peoples, we come out of the hills to see wrestling, good wrestling. And if they had cameras on there, let the show commence. We wanted to put on a show just as much as the wrestlers did. Actually, that's you're not far off base there, I don't think, honestly. Even though you're taking a shot, you're actually saying something that's truthful, too. So Orndorff basically comes out. He wants the world title. He he look he to me he's like a modern day cowboy. He's just this tough, ornery SOB that's he's just a badass. And they've debuted Orndorf as a babyface character. But he is questioning the pile driver thing and they're so subtly just hinting that he's not real happy. And we'll see where that goes. I'm rooting for Orndorff only because he, you know, he's a WWE guy. You know, that's my territory. I guess if you want to call it that. I said this before, but it seems like they're putting him behind the eight ball with the illegal finisher due to Bob Armstrong's shitty ass rules, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and like we and like we've talked though, the they go over the rules. Automatic right. disqualifications is an opponent over the top rope, a low blow, and a pile driver. And basically, the reason they do this storyline purposes, right, right, is to make the fans jump up and take notice when one of those things happen. If in today's wrestling, over the top rope is not a disqualification. You, you see people get knocked over the top rope almost every match, but back when you could get disqualified for it, if the referee saw it, it could be a turning point in the match when. Somebody gets thrown over the top rope, so it's just a way to pop the crowd without really having to do a whole lot. Right. It's, it's a genius move, really. I mean, I'm just, you know, playing Mark there for a second, but... Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it's... It, it, it's it, 
I'm I'm gaining some respect for the you know the territory, especially because back in the day it was like they were they had nothing, and then they were trying to build from that. And yeah, I mean, it was different. It was different from what you know the other two. Territories, yeah. I guess. Well, and you're act- we're actually seeing an organization being built from scratch, so they can make their own yep. rules, play however they want to. It's a clean slate, and that was the that's just the beauty of doing this Smoky Mountain Review show from beginning to end to see how it starts, when it gets hot, where it goes, and then how it falls off. So the beginning and the end may be a little rough, but that that smooth part through the middle. Is definitely some of the best wrestling we'll we'll watch anytime, anywhere, hands down. So we're back to the desk now. Dutch Mantel. Okay, so he had been bragging actually earlier in the show that he was going to put on a wrestling clinic tonight and he was going to show the fans that he meant business and he was going to fight and put on a wrestling display. And then Armstrong comes out and says, once Dutch is in the ring, Brian Lee has free reign at Dutch Mantel. Well, they come back now to the desk and Dutch is starting to get sick. He's sniffling, he's coughing. Then they, they proceed on from there to the Brian Lee interview. It's the same old crap. He reiterates the fact that he's going to, that he can get a hold of Dutch if he hits the ring. They go back to the desk and Dutch says that he's coming down with the Hong Kong Chinese swine flu. <laughs> he thinks he has a 105 degree fever. So since he's so sick, he sends out old Jethro to fight Reno Riggins. And that's where we go into match number three. It was Carl Stiles and uh, Reno Riggins. And, Andy, what did you make of this uh, this uh, basically squash match? I have an epiphany. He Carl Stiles is Kyle and Kurt Busch's older brother with more muscle. If you look at the facial features, it is there. And to take up for Dutch... Allergies are really bad in East Tennessee, you know, any time of year. And him being from out west, he might not have been used to it. So that will not explain the fever and everything. Yeah. Uh, Justin. Yeah, Justin, yeah any, that sudden sickness like that, huh? Any thoughts, on, uh, any, any thoughts on the on the match itself? Uh, it, it was it was a squash match. Like, I mean, like you said. Uh, it was a throwaway. I, you know, and then what, it, you know. And Brian Lee, and then Brian Lee came in there. I don't know. Yeah, well, the thing, I can't stand Brian Lee. The hell with him. Yeah, well, the thing about this is, is it's it's just trying to further the storyline. A new wrinkle: Dutch don't want to be in the ring because Brian Lee can get a hold of him, so he sends his henchman out to do his dirty work. He's basically just sitting there setting up a roadblock in front of Dutch for Brian Lee to have to go through. It's basically like when. Sting was trying to go through the NWO. He had to start out at the bottom and or Goldberg or whoever back in the day was fighting the NWO. They would start out with the bottom and then they would graduate up and then they might get to Scott Norton and then they would get to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and then they would finally eventually get to Hogan. They're basically having Carl Stiles act as Dutch's roadblock just to further the storyline. So the, the match wasn't really much of anything. Reno Riggins isn't a bad worker, but it was a squash just to further the storyline. Um, Dutch, I liked how he was playing sick the entire match on commentary. That that actually made the match. That is how sick Dutch was during this entire match. 
he makes this whole show honestly the first one in my opinion yeah the the first show of the two tonight's definitely a little lacking a little bit it's just not quite as good so we come out of this match brian lee hits the ring and uh, him and carl styles go at it and that's how it goes to break. They come back, Jim Cornette, they're interviewing him at the desk and he's talking about the uh, Smoky Mountain tag title tournament and he's going to keep his team a secret. And what's one thing that's funny about this is the local commercials that would air that you actually <laughs> see on this promotes Jim Cornette with the Midnight Express, which is actually not the name of the team that's going to come in. But he, 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 they mentioned Stan Lane by name. Jim Cornette, the Midnight Express, and Stan Lane. So I noticed that. They, they, I don't, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't know if they meant for that promo, promo to air during the show and kind of spoil it or if they didn't care. I mean, they were advertised. Stan Lane was a big name. He was former NWA, WCW tag team champion. So, but but De Cornette trying to make it secret that he's got who's he's not going to tell anybody who's coming in, yet in the promo for coming to your town they talk about Stan Lane. So that might be a little bit of a a misstep there. Yeah, I meant, I actually meant to ask you that about that earlier about Stan Lane. I mean, he, I know who that is actually, but yeah. So he will be he not to not to take out the. Uh, Suspense of disbelief, Justin, but he will be coming in <laughs> right. to Smoky Mountain very soon. Here's uh, what I want to know. How did Jim Cornette not invent the bedazzler? He may have. He may have. Because he definitely was glittery, and he, he, he was able to decorate his tennis rackets well. So we get now from the Cornette interview straight to the main event of this first show, Jimmy Golden and Robert Gibson. Oh, and, dear Lord. Uh, Robert Gibson, we, we've said it and said it and said it. He's just not as good as a singles wrestler, as a tag wrestler, but this was a pretty good, honestly, a pretty good main event TV match for what it was with a little, not much heat on it. They went back and forth. They both had ups and downs they both got heat on each other finally at the end gibson hits that awkward bulldog and he looks like he's going to get golden for the one two three he goes for the pin the Koloffs have come down to the ring and uh ivan jumps in and gives him the boot ending the match in a disqualification yeah if i'm not mistaken i think actually uh dutch made a point to about how Robert Gibson is he always looking for, you know, he used to be a tag team uh, wrestler, and now he's always looking to tag, but he can't anymore. I, th- I think at one point he says something about that. He, he actually does, and it's it's kind of refreshing to hear them acknowledge the fact that he is a right. tag team wrestler and and Dutch trying to uh, add a different element to the match. It, it, was good. it was actually good commentary. Dutch mostly is in there just to be a heater, and um, be funny, but sometimes he can actually he, provide good he insight. threw that in there. Yeah. So the, it ends the match in a DQ. Tim Horner and Hector Guerrero come out and save Robert Gibson, so they chase the Koloffs off. If Tim Horner comes out and saves anybody else, I demand that he do it in slow motion with the Baywatch theme. <laughs> 
Oh, if only they would have known how big the show would have been. So they maybe could have incorporated that into his character. So overall, though, the match, um, Andy, what did you think about the main event? I, I go back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier. Robert Gibson, he reminds me of a Stevie Ray or a Rick Steiner. He's, he's a decent singles competitor, but he really excels when it comes to the tag team. And I think it really showed here. And of all people to point it out was Dutch. That, that was crazy. Absolutely. Justin, um, any other thoughts on the main event? Yeah, it was, it was a okay main event, I guess. Uh, Jimmy Gold's a decent worker. Um, I guess we'll see more from him later on, I guess. Yeah, Jimmy. Especially since you guys said he's a big, big Southern heel. I, I'm not familiar with him, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he has later on. So we uh, come back after that match after the main event with Bob Armstrong. He's got uh, Brian Lee and Robert Gibson with him. He says that he'll look the other way if uh, if they can get a hold of the coal. Glass basically. Eye. Yeah. Uh, Robert Gibson. <laughs> he must have been looking. talking to Gibson, yeah. Man, poor poor Robert and his his issue. So he, he says payback's heck and uh, he's God, he's just so awkward. His he just had to go pee. His, he, just, he didn't want to talk long because he was trying to get out of there. He had already found the rat that he was taking home that night, so he was he was on his way out the door. And uh, Brian Lee is going to break Dutch Mantel in half. So that's yeah, bull, bullshit. I'm so <laughs> sick of that guy. So that's how He's we so cheap. He's so cheesy. So that's how we inter- interview. That's how we end the first the first half of uh, episode. That that is episode five in the first half of this show for tonight so we've uh, we've wrapped up half of it uh, overall just show five, show five thoughts um i thought it was a little bit down from the previous shows it's just like something didn't click as good in show five but i did like dutch mantel he he made the show and then just him acting like he was sick to send styles out there it, it was a pretty good show and then uh, bob holly's dropkick that to me those two things made the show uh, Andy, what did you think about the first show? Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, this is, they're just building up. They're trying to introduce everybody to the characters. And, you know, you're going to have these down shows like this, but as we'll see, it, it picks up. So I, I can't fault it any. And like I say, that drop kick, my God, I thought they had screwed up and he'd done kicked him in the face. That, that, that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it really, it literally looked like it could have tore his shoulder out of place. So, Justin, uh, first show, what'd you think? Yeah, it was pretty, it was kind of lame, to be honest. I mean, for the first five shows, that was definitely the worst one. Um, but I'm looking forward to, I know, I know episode six is better. I'll say that. Absolutely. So, we will be right back on the other side of this quick timeout. Fire in the Mountains, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, episode number six, on the way. A relief pitcher has always got to reach back for something extra. Take the bottom of the ninth. Score tied. Two on, two out. Now the batter thinks I'm going to throw on my hard slider, but I reach back for Levi Garrett chewing tobacco. Taste that fresh Levi Garrett flavor one time, and you'll know why it's one of the fastest-growing brands of loose-leaf chewing tobacco in the country. It's my brand. Make it yours. 
a relief and welcome back to fire in the mountains ricky wittenberg along with andy waddell and justin edgel and when he said reach back i I thought maybe he was going to reach back and explode all over somebody after that after that first episode carl styles like that that was actually sparky lyle who may be related to carl styles pitching levi garrett because uh, we're looking for sponsors here on Fire in the Mountains, so we're, we take whatever we can get, even a 1979 Texas Rangers relief pitcher, whatever. Yeah, but you could you could tell he was a Yankee because any true Southerner is every athlete with a her. Yeah, because it's to back her, it's to make her, potato her, you know, to, to, tobacco. No, 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 no. It's to back her. Yes, so there, Andy's uh, Southern dialect uh, for the night, and we're going to be into episode six of Fire in the Mountains here, and uh, Bob previews the show, and Rip Rogers, our favorite character of us, ours so far, is out, and he wants to let all the hillbillies know that he's the most fit man in wrestling, and my note immediately said, good hell, what was that? the two most hideous creatures I've ever seen in the span of eight seconds. And I have seen some hideous creatures. And You've never been in a bar in Newport, sir. Actually, they're not going. Yes, I have. The first one, (laughs) you remember that shit. Basically, we're going to call this woman, Justin calls her the gyrator uh, or Pat. And if you remember that show, there was a show or a movie or something called Where's Pat or Here's Pat or Who's Pat or whatever. And it was this, it, it was it was on Saturday Night Live, I think. Yes, like who, and then yeah. they made like a movie out of Pat. it. But right, it was exactly. an, it was an androgynous character. You didn't know if it was a male or female. This, a Hermie, Hermie, hermaphrodite. Uh, it, well, this thing is. I I hope if you're listening, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I mean, this, this was a hideous creature. Um, <laughs> It should have been neutered immediately. I hope it didn't reproduce. I don't know how it could have, but I also seen some. I also seen some of the males in the audience. But anyway, Rip Rogers is going to do free squats for the entire hour at the desk. And on my note said this should be epic, and it was. Um, so Rip Rogers, this is the real. This is the really cool thing about a show like Smoky Mountain, and back in the day, it didn't take itself too seriously. But at the same time, it gave exposure to a character on the show. And Rip Rogers is a really, really fun to watch wrestler. Um, one of our favorites, for sure. But he's not going to be in the main event scene. We know that. But yet, they're giving him basically an entire hour to do a little shtick. And it's it's really cool what they're doing here. They're going to give him an hour to do free squats, and I knew when they said that that this would be – it would be a good payoff and it would be funny. And I couldn't remember what happened, and it's it's definitely worth the trip. So we have him at the desk doing free squats, and we go straight into the first match. This week the first match is Hollywood Bob Holly against Joey Mags. And uh, quick opener, Mags, he's a jobber. But uh, he's he's good. He's not bad. Uh, Holly gives him some good offense. And Holly k- keeps getting pushed. He's not losing any matches. Back up to the top rope this time. But unfortunately, he ditched the, the drop kick, probably because they told him after he hit Tommy Angel with it in that first episode, you're going to kill somebody. 
and the, he hits a uh, a weak looking elbow drop off the top, and um, I, I I basically my only note for the match is please let him go back to the drop kick. Andy, what did you think about the first match? It, it, like I say, it, it was just a good opening match. I'm pretty sure Memo flipped off Bob Holly. I'd have to go back and see the replay, but I'm pretty sure she gave him the double bird. It's always possible. Um, nothing out of the realm of possibility in East Tennessee with uh, Memo getting mad at the uh, at Mr. Holly. Hey, Justin, what did you think of this first match? Yeah, she definitely she definitely did. Mamma did give give the double bird. Uh, it it was a pretty good match, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the biggest thing I take took out of it was the gyrator, who I call the gyrator. She did one of the best dances I've ever seen in my life. Oh, from when, uh, from when, a hillbilly when she was thrusting yeah. her her carcass. <laughs> she was thrusting, and then, and then she went that da- <laughs> went down, did some kind of I don't know what the hell it was, and it oh was great. Sh- Oh shoot! You ought to see us whipping Nene now. No, we don't want to see anybody around here whipping Nene. The I would, I definitely don't want to see her do it. And honestly, uh, fans, if you're watching that, listening to this, and you're f- watching along with us, a lot of the times, I think in these Smoky Mountain shows, the, some of the fans are going to be just as entertaining, if not more entertaining, than the the matches we're watching. And uh, this crowd in Knoxville that night definitely did not let us down. Let me just put it that way. Uh, the gyrator is going to be going down in infamy. I will never forget the gyrator after seeing these these last two episodes. And that's unfortunate for me, honestly. So pretty nothing first match, though, basically. Um, it just keeps pushing Bob Holly, And that's, that's what that was there for. They come back, and uh, we have an interview with Tim Horner. And he's he's Rip Rogers is still doing his free squats. He he tells Horner to shut up. Horner bets Rogers five hundred dollars that he can't do squats for the rest of the hour, and uh, he said he'd be back at the end and uh, pay up on his bet basically if if Rogers is still able to be doing squats. This is the this is the best bit you know the best spot I've ever I've seen so far in in the first six episodes obviously yeah and we'll get to that uh, get to that at the uh, end of the episode because it's got a good payoff for sure <laughs> yeah and and you know rip rogers is a good combination of rick rude and macho man randy savage he 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 really is he's funny he's kind of crazy and he and then all, all of you know he also said you know ripped on the fat out of shape people you know it's like he's a good combination of those two but he, he's great he, he's a full package yeah wrestler in my opinion and and that's honestly that's also a way to work in guys because you only have with an hour tv show and the interviews and the way they structure it they basically have either three or four matches a week that's a way to keep a guy on tv even if he's not in a match and uh i mean it kept tim horner on tv it's kept rip rogers on tv this week and um, it's real smart booking, honestly, by Jim Cornette to have the foresight to know that he's working with an hour within an hour box, and he's got all this crap that he wants to put out on TV. And instead of uh, making another short match, he has Rip Rogers out there the entire hour. And you could pull that same stunt that they're doing this show off on a WWE broadcast. Well, except they'd have to do squats for three freaking hours, I guess, which would 
whatever. It was too long. But anyway, you, you basically could do the same thing right now, and it would still get over because it's just uh, entertaining to watch. If you have the right guy doing it, it's definitely entertaining to watch. So we we go out, and we have the uh, second match of the night. Terry Bam Bam Gordy uh, makes My his God. debut against Tommy Angel, who has recuperated from, from the drop kick the previous week, which is actually probably about 45 minutes before this match with Terry Gordy. And uh, Gordy, the, the takeaway, he always runs the ropes before the matches. And I would not want to be a cable guy having Gordy run the ropes on me because as hard as he hits those ropes, if one ever snapped and it didn't kill him, he'd find the guy that set the ring up, and I'm pretty sure they'd be at the top of Freebird Mountain by the time it's over with. Not in a good way. I thought he was going to take out Mamaw as hard as he was running them. Yeah, I mean, he could. He he literally did. I mean, Andy is not joking. He hit the ropes hard enough to where if it snapped, he would have took out the front row, and, and Mamaw would have been a thing of the past. So it, I basically put this was a pretty uneventful match. It, Tommy Angel in the matches we saw so far, he's had good matches all around, but this one just wasn't as good. Terry Gordy, it was basically just a squash for Terry Gordy. He hits up the power. He hits the power bomb for the win. It's just trying to set up Gordy as a, a threat for the world title. Um, Justin, you have any other takeaways out of this match? Not really. I, it was funny that he came out to Freebird. Well, not really, but I guess because he was original member. But not really. He, it's fu- it's fun to watch that guy because he he is so whacked out on something. <laughs> He's yeah. He he was always on. <laughs> Andy, uh, any thoughts on the match or Terry Gordy in general? No, the bombs were falling. The bombs are falling. So we go back after this, uh, after this match. We have a post-match interview with Gordy as he walks over to the announce table. The bombs are already falling. He says that he is the man that will hold the title if there is one. So I just wrote down a note. I don't think that he meant to say it the way he said it. But basically, he just said if they decide to come up with a title, if this promotion makes it past next week, if they have a title, eventually I'll be the champion. And I know that's not what he meant to say, but that's pretty much what he said. <laughs> so, but the bombs are falling in Terry Gordy's world at this time, so he's probably lucky that he even spit that sentence out with any coherence at all, honestly. What a man. So we go we go straight into an interview with uh, Bob Armstrong and the title tournament's in the works. Two weeks from tonight, the tournament's going to start. And um, he's he's also talking about having some problems with Ron Wright. And uh, he, he bans Ron Wright from ringside until he finds his own wrestler to, uh, to manage. So Ron Wright comes down, and he argues with uh, Armstrong. He said he's been one of the finest upstanding wrestlers ever. Armstrong says that he's not buying any of that garbage. They go back and forth. They get into it. And Armstrong, he finally just gives it. He just gives him what for, and he grabs a wheelchair and just wheels right right out of the arena. That 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 was a fun angle, and uh, get back and forth between those two. I I thought that was one of the highlights of the whole show. Andy, uh, I'd agree with I'd Justin. Agree with what, that, yeah, for I'm, sure. Uh, I, I, I think it was funny is it, it, like, especially when, uh, Ron Wright was trying to like fake fight, he's like trying to punch him and stuff like that. It, it, it was a good angle. 
you know. It's so. just setting it up. I mean, everything that right. so he's building to building to a crescendo. So uh, you know that he's building something between them two, and he's got something going on on this other part. He's got Dutch Mantell and Brian Lee. Uh, they've got uh, the Fultons and the Fantastics and the Koloffs. So they've got some angles building, even though we've not been on TV basically now into the sixth episode. There's already four or five legitimate angles going on, and Ron Wright and his quest for a wrestler is one of the main angles. So we get done with that, and we go straight into an interview with uh, Paul Orndorff. And he's got a little bit matter about the pile driver situation. And he says he just saw Terry Gordy do a power bomb, and that could have broke somebody's neck. And honestly, if you're watching the show, I know where they're headed with this. Uh, even if I didn't know, you can see that they're planting seeds that they're not going to have Paul Orndorff be a babyface for a long time because he's too mad about this. But if you're just watching it from an objective point of view, he's absolutely right. Uh, the power bomb is no different than a pile driver because a power bomb most definitely could break somebody's neck. So, yeah, I see where he's coming from from a kayfabe point of view. Andy, what uh, what do you think? What are you making of this Orndorff character with what they're trying to do with him in the little time he's been out? Well, like I say, the, the, they, everybody knows his name at this point, so they bring him out as a baby face to you know, let the fans kind of get a hold of it. But at the same time, they've took away his favorite move, so he's naturally going to turn toward, I guess, the dark side if we're talking Star Wars type stuff. You know, and eventually, you know, I see him, he, he's going to have to use it just to make a point and to hell with the consequences. Yeah, so basically, uh, Justin, any, uh, what do you think about Orndorff's character so far? I pretty much agree with Andy there. Uh, it, he's, he's, he's turning back in. He's going to eventually turn, I, which, in my opinion, he's going to turn back into what he was in the WWE as a, as a heel, you know, because that's, that's what he was there. So Yeah, and honestly, through his career, that was – more of his bread and butter. What he he was. Yeah, so, I mean, he's not the best interview guy in the world. Uh, he uh, he's got that uh, Southern Georgia thing going on, and he's he's not the best interview, but he does connect with the fans. But he's not the best babyface. So the way they're heading with him is the correct way to handle Paul Orton. Way better. He's a way better heel. So basically, sure. they they come out of this interview with him, and they go straight into the match. And it's uh, him against Barry Horowitz this week. And um, Dutch has a line in the match that I, I wrote down. He's talking to, he's always berating Brian Lee throughout every episode. But he said that uh, he doesn't like what? children, he don't like animals, and he don't even like Baskin-Robbins ice cream. I don't know where that came from. But Dutch, he's, he, he's not going to give up on continually harassing Brian Lee or Bob Cottle throughout these shows. Uh, the match itself, uh, Andy, what did you think um, of this match with Horowitz and Orndorff? Um, I don't know. I, the more I watch it, Horowitz should have got a way bigger push because the whole, you know, patting myself on the back, if they would have run that, say, 
eight years later, it would have been the most awesome angle ever. But, you know, the early 90s, it really didn't go over that well. But, yeah, it was a decent match. It set everybody up. And like I say, right now, that's really all they're doing is just setting everybody up for where they're going to go in the future. Right. So in the match, I mean, it's a back-and-forth match. Horowitz gets more offense than you you would think. And um, Orndorf goes for a pile driver late in the match. The referee's shaking his head no. Orndorf then remembers that he can't do the pile driver. He lets he lets go. So he's he whips Horowitz into the ropes. He tries to hit a drop kick and he misses. Horowitz almost gets a pin on him. He gets him up and he's going to try to do a neck breaker and Orndorf reverses it into a backslide and he gets a pin off of the backslide. But it's planting the seeds. Orndorf was he was frustrated that he wasn't able to use the pile driver and he almost lost the match because of it. Good storytelling. Good storytelling. We know why he's mad. He's told us why he's mad. And he emotes very well in the ring why he's at, why he's dejected. He almost got beat because he couldn't use the pile driver and it, it messed him up. So I really liked how they played that off in this match. Justin, uh, any, any thoughts on that? It, it, I second all you got, all your guys' thoughts. I mean, really, it's it's Jim Cornette's genius, you know. I mean, look, you know, it's, I guess it's like five and a half episodes now, and it's really, you know, coming to fruition how smart Jim Cornette is, and he's making all these storylines come together. And it's, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do because what's it? I mean, I mean. Orndorff's going to be, you know, he's going to be the main heel. That's my prediction. I have no idea. That's my main prediction. He's going to be the main heel eventually. Good deal. All right, so we we're done with this match. We go to an interview with Cornette and the uh, iconic line, one of the iconic lines this week. Look at the front row. They have decided to remake Deliverance with the original <laughs> cast. Wow. So we could we could do the whole the whole oh. song, you know it, uh, the the deliverance the deliverance song. But Cornette, dueling banjos, sir, dueling banjos, dueling banjos. Yes, if if you if you all are so inclined, it's about a four minute uh, four minute duel back and forth. So of gloriousness, it is. And so Cornette basically throws that line out. He hops his tag team, then he, he, he looks over and wishes Rip Rogers well as he heads out. And that's one of the other notes that I that I made, mental note that I took. I didn't write this one down. This is the kind of cool thing about these studio shows back in the day. You could have guys that um really weren't intersecting each other in storyline purposes, but since they kind of go rapid fire to the desk and you have a guy walk in and another guy walk out, Sometimes you'll have guys standing together that doesn't really have anything to do with each other in storylines. It's It kind of gives it just a, a different vibe. I mean, Cornette's obviously not going to have anything to do with Rip Rogers, but he he had his interview. Good luck, Rip. I mean, you'll see Dutch Mantel slide in and slide out depending on who they're interviewing, and I just thought that's a it's a cool dynamic that's lost now because you never see two random guys for no reason – in, a, in basically the same interview segment. 
So we had that, and uh, Cottle comes out now with Cornet. Cornette comes down with Cottle for the main event because Dutch goes to ringside to be with uh, Carl Styles. So we're heading right to the main event of the week, and it's Styles against primetime Brian Lee. And uh, basically, they tell a pretty good story to start this match as Brian Lee's preoccupied uh, with Dutch Mantel. He's, He's trying so hard to get a hold of him and he chasing him around the ring that he keeps forgetting about Carl Styles and Styles keeps cutting him off and and stopping Lee from getting a hold of Dutch for the payoff. And basically when they when Lee does start fighting Carl Styles, it, it's it's a typical big man match. It's it's okay for a TV main event. I mean Lee hits the cancellation for the uh, three count and he tries to get to Dutch. He finally gets hold of him at the end of the match. Whips him into the ropes. Dutch grabs a hold of the ropes, tucks tail and runs. So basically, Lee gets through the henchman, but he he doesn't quite get to uh, quite get to Dutch Mantel. Uh, Storyline driven main event. Uh, Andy, what did you think? Uh, like I say, it, it just furthers the story of you know Lee and Mantel. The thing that I, it's a small thing, but it, it draws my eye every time I see it is why does Carl always look constipated? Every time you see him over, he's flexing like he's fixing to drop a big deuce. I, it's a little distracting. Or staring at, or, or staring at a dutch. Yeah, I'm waiting on him any minute to start hollering out, it puts the lotion on the skin. Uh, Carl Stiles is from the mountains of North Carolina, and um, you never know. But Amen. The... For a TV main event, it was actually a pretty decent match back and forth. I mean, it wasn't a five-star classic, but it done, it served its purpose. It done what it's supposed to do, just furthered that storyline. Um, episode six, uh, back to the desk, though. So we've had our main event, but now we go back to the desk. Tim Horner has come back out to the desk and uh, watching Rip Rogers as he continues. Remember the lightning bolt pipe squad. Uh, and he comes back to the desk to watch Rogers continue to do his free squats. And Tim looks like he's impressed. He's going to pay Rogers the money. But then Rogers, he mouths off and says he's going to spend all of Tim's money. So you could tell that that made Horner just a little bit mad. So what he does is he asks Bob Cottle how much time's left. So Bob turns around to look at the desk to look at his watch or clock or I don't know what he had at the desk but it turns his attention away from Rogers and Rogers this entire episode has been free squatting holding on to the back of a chair and as he goes down for a squat as Bob turns Horner kicks the chair out from under under Rip Rogers and Rogers hits the ground Bob turns back around and Rogers is laying on the ground so that's it Tim Horner Rogers did not complete the challenge he's upset but Bob Connell sees him down, so that's what he calls. And that's how we end the show. Basically, it looks wow. like they've they've set up this whole show to set up a uh, also a Tim Horner and Rip Rogers feud down the road. That was a really really good payoff for that to have been going on the whole hour. Yeah, but I was still pissed. Uh, I root for. Well, right. I mean, obviously. at the end of the day, here's what I I want our crack research team, mainly Ricky. To find out, is Rip Rogers really 
Eugene in disguise. I need to know this. The fans need to know this. No, no sir. Rip Rogers Damn. is most definitely not Nick Dinsmore. Well, it looks close. They, they, they may favor just a, just a little bit. So uh, episode six now also firmly in the books. And instead of us going over our end of the show awards as individually, we have already come to the consensus, as we will do every week now, on our five main end of the show awards. So we'll start out at the top. The uh, match of the night uh, voted by us. Basically, by default, I think, we gave it to Robert Gibson and Jimmy Golden. Uh, it was the TV main event of the episode five. Wasn't a bad match. Wasn't a great match. There just wasn't any anything that stood out in these two episodes. So, by default, that's what we give the match of the night. Um, the fan of the night, no doubt, by far, it's the gyrator, as Justin likes to call it. Yes, And sir. when you watch this episode or these two episodes, you Ma- mainly episode six. Yeah. It, it, she is mainly <laughs> prevalent in episode six. As you can tell, liquor gets more and more and more <laughs> during the if, night. If you, <laughs> when Brian Lee comes out, I'm telling you, there's a spontaneous had, orgasm. When Brian, yeah, Lee, she, yeah, she, she has something, she has something in her, some kind of orifice. She had. Kind of she has. She has procured the eighteen-inch dildo from Killer Kyle. That's there. What, you go. Perfect. So, when you watch it, you'll know, no doubt. When you watch these two episodes, you'll know who we're talking about. The interview of the week, uh, we give it to Ron Wright and and Bob Armstrong. Basically, just the back and forth between them was good. It set something up. There wasn't anything that really stood out. So that's what uh, we'll give the interview of the week. Soundbite of the week. Um, I guess we'll give it to the deliverance, but there's also a soundbite where Jim Cornette also says that his tag team that's coming in is more dangerous than a dinner at Jeffrey Dahmer's house, which in the timeline was very, very, um, it was very on point. So I, I don't well, know. That's when he was going through trial and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but hey, uh, you know that that was his genius, though. I, looking back on it yeah. now, when I at the time I was probably twelve years old, I hated him with a passion that was reserved for the devil himself. But now, as I get older and look back on it, the man was a genius. You you can't take that away from him. Absolutely. No, no, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, the most 90s sighting of the night, uh, it has to be Danny Davis's tights, for the love of God. <laughs> I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but I, we, Andy will attest to this. Amen. My mom has the same couch uh, design. She did, I mean, in 1990, had this same couch. And Danny Davis, I believe, took he, he saw a picture of a couch and – he took a picture of a couch to his wrestling type maker and said, I want that because that's what he's got. So the most not nice exciting of the week, Danny Davis's tights. He could have sat on your mama's couch and I, all anybody would have ever asked is how did that blonde wig get there? <laughs> that's how good it was. It would have been camo. Night, yeah, so. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we are now firmly into the smoky mountain watch. We're six episodes in the book. 
Justin, you are the resident um, non-fan of Smoky Mountain. You're the resident Yankee of our group. So nah, we've hit two, about, yeah, hit two I'm more not, episodes. I don't know about non-fan, but I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, you weren't a fan back in the day of Smoky Mountain. Sure, so. right. So I am a Yankee, too. So I'm, to- I'm totally an outcast here. But you know what? I'm enjoying this. It's uh, It's been fun. So looking forward to it. I hope it gets better and better. I hope Brian Lee gets uh, sacrificed somewhere. The, he he will. You will like the genesis of his character moving forward. Eventually, I'm not saying it's coming real soon, but uh, you'll it'll get there. So 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 far, Andy, what has uh, what stood out the most in these first six episodes? What have what have you noticed? I, the main thing I've noticed is how much I forgot that Jim Cornette, I keep going back to him. He, he is an evil genius and the people he surrounded himself with on these first six episodes, they're building up to something that, uh, modern day wrestling just can't do. They, they can't, they had, they don't have the attention span of two weeks, let alone let it build up over a month or two months to, you know, a good reward that will, make the fans come back for more. It's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's great watching and I'm glad we're doing it. Absolutely. So next week we will be going over episodes seven and eight of Smoky Mountain. I can't remember exactly when we get to the, uh, the tournament for the world title, but when we get to it, like I said before, we're going to do that as one show because it's like a two hour show. Uh, for the world title tournament, which is a, uh, from my recollection, was a very, very strong uh, card. So we will hit the episode seven and eight next week. If you have any feedback, we will appreciate it if you leave it on the PWO uh, Pro Wrestling Only message boards, or when you listen to it on SoundCloud, you can uh, you can leave the feedback there. So for Andy Waddell and Justin Edgel. You've listened to Fire in the Mountains, Smoky Mountain Wrestling Review.